Okay, so how many of you guys know that the Bible is, uh, have you heard that it's the best-selling book of all time? That every year it's at the, the very top of the list of the, the, the most sales or all, all those type of things. Every year, basically since the printing press came out, which is kind of crazy. Um, but I was thinking about that, and I realized, you know, it makes a lot of sense because the Bible is full of prophets. Do you get it? It's, it's a corny joke. Okay. Um, all right. Anyways, we're, we're in our series, This is Church. We're talking about how God builds the body, and we're focusing on how God has uniquely gifted each of us with a purpose for building his church. Now, these gifts that he's given us, we, we call them the fivefold gifts, or we call them the APES gift, um, which stands as apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, teacher, um, that are found in Ephesians 4, 11 through 12. And the verse goes like this. It says, now these gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers, and their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. Right now, he gave us these five gifts. Jesus looked at the church that was just starting in the book of Acts, and he said, man, what are they going to need to continue my purpose on earth? And he was like, they're going to need these five gifts, these, the, the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastors, teachers, or the shepherds and teachers. They're going to need that, and there's a purpose for us to build the church, to bring it to supernatural unity and maturity that will be healthy, growing, and full of love, right? And I believe that these, of these five gifts, that we all hold one of those gifts as a main gift that we were created, that was woven into our lives at the very beginning, even before you may have come to know Jesus, that is something that is inside of you. Now, we've been uh, telling you for I think at least a month now, to go and take this gift assessment test to let you know which one of uh, the five-fold gifts most likely you have or that you work through. Um, how many of you guys have taken that test now? All right. That's a good amount of hands. Okay, so the problem is, though, unless it's your first time here, your hand should be up, okay? Um, and, uh, but I'm going to push it one more time, and I'll probably do it some more times and, um, over the next few weeks because it's important. All right, um, you can get on the Church Center app. Have you guys heard about the Church Center app? Uh, but you can get on the Church Center app. It's right there as you open it up. It says, take the gift assessment test, scan the QR code in front of you, find it on our Facebook group page. We are putting it out there because it is important to our church. God didn't create you to just come in here and sit and watch. Right? He, he says, I need you to build the church that I'm creating. It's not even, I want you. His plan to build the church was to use every single one of us. And unless you are being used in your gifting, the church will not be built in the way that Jesus asked and wanted it to happen, the way that he envisioned it going from now. Do you know that when Jesus decided to continue his purpose on earth, you know, he's God. He could have done anything to continue that purpose, but he decided that he wanted to partner with us, and he gave you a gift to do so. There's no other plan B. It's, it's plan A all the way, and that's us getting involved in building this church. So um, if you haven't guessed, we're talking about the prophet this week. Um, the prophet is the voice of alignment. Now, the description of the prophet is that, that you come alive when you can be present, and you can give voice to how you see people in their current circumstances. You are brilliant at encouraging others, literally putting courage into others through the bold observations that you make. You have intuitive capabilities to see the, the whole or what's wrong in a system, or wrong with the process so that you can make it more efficient and effective. You love to ask the question, why, right? You know, like you never grew out of that stage, 
you know, from, like, kids ask why all the time. Um, Asher, the other day, we were doing something, he's just like, but why do we do that? And why does it work like that? And why that? And then he goes, man, I have a lot of questions. Uh, you know, but some people don't grow out of that. And if you didn't, you're probably a prophet, right? It may have gotten you in trouble in your life. Um, you are most likely highly creative in some unique way. Um, that serves as a platform allowing you to speak the message of alignment to the better and just way of God into the world. You have a deep desire to be courageous, to listen to Jesus and to stay in communication with him. And when you relay these messages to others, you are incredibly powerful when it comes with the balance of love and truth in your voice. Now, while the gift of prophet and prophecy are connected, they're also different gifts. You can be an Ephesians 4 gifted prophet and not necessarily prophesying about the future. Now, I do believe prophets can easily tap into that gift if they allow themselves to be empowered by the Holy Spirit easier than others because they naturally have a different perspective on the world, and we'll get to that in a little bit. But um, I think that prophecy does come hand in hand with prophets if they allow themselves to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. Now, we've been talking about the different pieces of the heart that um, each gift focuses on, and prophets focus on the will of the heart. The will is that part of us that leads us to action, right? It's the, the will to make the choice that leads to action. And that's what prophets are worried about. Um, they are concerned with whether people's choices are lining up with their actions. Does what you say line up with what you do, right? And they're very concerned and aware of that kind of alignment. And so that's, when it comes to spiritual things, they want to bring us into alignment with what the word says. Um, but they also just kind of want the world to line up with what they say they're going to be. Even if it's outside the church, if they say they believe that, they're like, well, then why aren't you living that? See, a naturally gifted prophet isn't just concerned about lining up with the Bible. They just get frustrated when people are living, living out their lives different than the way they say they believe. They just want things to be in order, and that's why they ask why. What's the purpose? What, what is behind this? What causes this to be the way that it is? In the Old Testament, the Hebrew word for prophet was nabi, which directly translates to openness. Um, it was used as a spokesperson. They would use the same thing, just of, you know, the, the king of the time, if they were getting, had somebody who was giving a speech for them, they might even be declared a nabi because they were there who was a spokesperson. But biblically, it was somebody who was a spokesperson for God. Um, sometimes it was just translated to a mouthpiece for God. Deuteronomy 18.18, God is declaring through uh, Moses, I believe, at the time, it says, I will raise up a prophet like you from among their fellow Israelites, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he will tell the people everything I command him. In the Old Testament times, prophets were often called seers as well, because they had what people would say, an ability to see into the spiritual realm. It's almost like that whenever they wanted, they could put on the, uh, the special decoder glasses from the first ever box of Wheaties. And uh, they could look at the physical world, but see it in a spiritual sense instead. Or um, other people sometimes describe it as that whenever they felt like it, they could pull back the curtain of reality and see what was going on in the spiritual realm behind it. From the New Testament in the Greek, it's the word prophetess, um, which is not a female version of a prophet. Right? Both male and female are just prophets. The Bible is very progressive there. Equal titles, okay? Uh, but the Greek definition is, is one who communicated the divine. Right? To make known, to divulge, and to announce hidden things. As with all of our gifts, Jesus is our ultimate example. In Hebrews 1, 1 through 2, it says, 
Long ago, God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. And now in these final days, he has spoken to us through his son. Jesus many times brought words that God spoke into his people. And I believe he's still speaking today, not only just as Jesus speaking to us, but through the living word, through the Bible and speaking into our lives. Have you ever read a verse once, you know, years ago and all of a sudden you read it last week and it stood out to you in a different way? It's because the word is still living and active. It's still Jesus, as um, John 1 says, speaking to you and revealing those hidden things. Now, if you are a prophet, if you're a gifted prophet, how many people in here got prophet as their top result? Cool. Um, If you are a gifted prophet, you've probably felt like you've always had a little extra insight into people's lives or into situations. Um, Maybe a different viewpoint that others don't always see, especially about themselves. You've probably been hearing from God and didn't realize it. You've maybe been seeing behind the scenes or using your special decoder glasses without even knowing it was happening. Maybe you even often feel righteous anger when things aren't in alignment with God or in the right order because you're sensitive to the spirit within you. You could probably clearly see how things are out of line and how things should be kind of drifted back to it. Um, So let's get a little more depth into biblical prophet. Um, We see in the Bible that prophets come from all walks of life. There wasn't a a training. There wasn't some specific spot in life that they were being called of. We had Elisha, who was a farmer, to well-educated prophets like Daniel and probably Ezekiel, and to even priests like Samuel, who were all prophets. Now, if you look at the regular language of some of the prophets, their grammar and their mechanics were actually really horrible. Um, They showing that they weren't these very educated people. And it's not about, it, it, that doesn't represent how God speaks, just that God uses everyone, right? The only qualification to be that prophet was to be open. Now, while their origin differs, we do find common traits among prophets biblically, and I still believe that are true in life today. Um, so we'll look at some of the traits of Ephesians 4 gifted prophets. Um, first off, most prophets have, ex- have known extremely highs and extreme lows in their past experiences of life. Um, A lot of the Old Testament prophets, if you look through their lives and their history that brought them there, they have some crazy life stories. Um, We're going to look at Daniel. In uh, chapter chapter 1 of the book of Daniel, we find out that he was taken captive um, as a young man, probably a young teenager from his home country, taken as a prisoner into into Babylon, to another country. His home country lost a war, and they, they took a bunch of the young men that they thought would be helpful to have in their kingdom, and took them and took them home to Babylon. Now, life in Babylon might not have been so horrible. Um, He was given a really great education. He was given access to um, kind of the highest quality of life that was there. But he was still their slave, and he was still separated from his family. Many of the prophets went through similar traumatic events in their past. And I believe that God tends to broaden the emotional scopes of prophets so that they can feel a little bit more than the regular person. Because Part of being able to communicate God is being able to fully communicate his heart. Right? Prophets don't usually just hear the words or see a picture. They often feel what the spirit feels. And without having the real life experience of, of all of the feelings, it'd be really hard to communicate how and what God is saying to the people around them. But because of the full spectrum of things they've experienced, they tend to be a little bit more emotional people. Because it takes emotional people to feel and express the emotions of God. The second thing is prophets tend to have a different perception. 
right? They tend to not be limited by the natural world around them, nor are they really distracted by life around them. Um, if you know a prophet, they kind of are like, I'm just doing my thing. Um, they don't really care, you know, they may do things a little bit different, but they really don't care. Um, they're just, this is what I, how I see life and what's important to me, and often that's because they wear those glasses and they see things a different way than we see them. They can also feel a bit disconnected from the world around them. Um, but again, because it just doesn't matter to them. They're, they're focused on what they believe in. Um, you find this like in Elisha in 2 Kings chapter 6, 15 through 17. It says, when the servant of the man of God, referring to Elisha um, and his servant, they got up early the next morning and the servant went outside. There were troops, horses, and chariots everywhere. And the servant came back and said, oh, sir, what will we do now? The young man cried to Elisha, what are we going to do? Elisha said, don't be afraid, for there are more on our side than theirs. Right? And so the servant goes out and he's like, I don't see anybody on our side. Right? It's just us two and the enemy is everywhere. Okay? And I was just like, no, we got them surrounded. You know, it's like the old ninja movies where they just keep, no, now we've got you surrounded. They're like, but you didn't know. No, we've got you surrounded. That's how this kid's like, no, I don't think so. So Elisha prayed, oh, Lord, open his eyes and let him see. And the Lord opened the young man's eyes. And when he looked up, he saw that the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fire. Right? Elisha saw the reality of the spiritual realm, while his servant couldn't see past what was physically in front of them. Prophets, at times, they can see a bigger picture than what we see with our physical eyes. Um, they, they sometimes can't, they may see the picture, but they may not know the application to make it work. They don't always have the strategy, just the message or just the picture. And so, prophets, I want you to know that it's not your job to know the, how it's supposed to happen. Right? God gives us pieces. Right? 1 Corinthians 13.9 says, Now our knowledge is partial and incomplete, and even the gift of prophecy reveals only part of the whole picture. And then in verse 12, a few verses later, it says, Now we see things imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror. Another translation says, like a foggy mirror. But then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know, know now is partial and incomplete. But then I want to know everything completely, just as God knows me completely. Prophecy and what prophets can see is just in part. It is partial and incomplete. You might see the whole picture, but you don't know how we got there. Or maybe you get a piece of a picture, but you don't see how it fits in the larger perspective. I think often prophets can get caught up on this. They're the one part that God showed them. Right? They're like, God has shown me this, and it's very important. Right? Which it is. That's why God revealed it to you, but it does not mean that it's the only thing. You have to remember that you see part of the larger puzzle, right? All the pieces are still equally important. I think prophets get caught in this, and they, they tend to end up separating themselves from the church body that they're supposed to be a part of because they don't feel that everybody else cares about the piece that's been revealed to them as much as it's been revealed, you know, as much as everything else the church is focused on. And so they leave, or they feel isolated, or they feel like people don't care enough, or they tend to space out. Um, I, sometimes I know I have prophets in my church because the, you can see that they're spaced out through my whole message, but then I say something that's, you know, the one thing on their heart, and they're like, amen, brother, you know, and then, <laughs> then all of a sudden they're back to, like, half asleep, and afterwards they're like, you know, the sermon was pretty decent, but you really should have just talked about that one thing, you know, and that's usually a prophet because it, it's an important thing, but they remember prophets that, that there is more and that there's a piece to the puzzle. Now, it's not a bad thing that you have this different perception. It's actually a great thing and a very helpful thing 
we need prophets to bring these words. And you guys need to be joined with the other gifts so that we can make that word come into fruition. It's not a matter of ignoring what's important to the prophets or what God has said. It's a matter about how does it all fit together. The next thing is prophets tend to be very passionate. They're often driven to convey what God has shown to them, right? Again and again and again, if need be. Often their lives become an embodiment of what God has shown them. In the Old Testament prophets, we see a lot of crazy things happening. Um, Hosea married a prostitute to prove the message of God's love and faithfulness to someone. Ezekiel laid on his left side for over 300 days. And he wasn't just a lazy teenager, okay? God called him to lay on his left side for 300 days and then on his right side for 40 days to show the amount of years Israel would be in punishment. Isaiah tends to be one of the more scholarly um, prophets out there, but in chapter 20, verses 1 through 6, we find out that he walked around naked for three years. Right? You don't find that story in the children's Bible. That's very interesting. Uh, <laughs> but then you even move to like New Testament prophets, and you have John the Baptist. Now, he decided that he wasn't going to live in the comfort of the world at that time, and he went out and lived in the desert. And he only ate locusts, and he wore camel's hair. And you're like, I don't even know what they wore at that time. Let's just say that wasn't it. And uh, he, he chose to live differently, and he preached the same message over and over and over again. Sometimes a prophet's passion for these things tend to be something that separates them from other people. Right? It's not like you were going to show up at Isaiah's house with the possibility that he's going to be naked. Right? Or ask Hosea, you know, how's your marriage going? Knowing that he's married to a prostitute. They have these different things about their lives, and sometimes that causes some separation. A prophet's passion will separate them from being part of the norm. And that's okay. We still need to embrace them and keep them a part of who we are. Which leads us to trait number four. Is that prophets do not always find it easy to relate to others. Seemingly impractical at times, maybe awkward to work with, many prophets have been misunderstood and have chosen to leave the church and just do their own thing. The church needs you. Prophets, like, we need you, and the church, you guys need the church just as much. Like I said, there was many weird things from Old Testament prophets. Um, on top of the already mentioned items, Elijah was fed by birds for a long period of his life. Hosea named his children, not loved and not my people. Um, could you imagine, like, what their therapist later in life had to go through? Um, Ezekiel laid on his side for 430 days, and during that time, he had to cook his food over burning poo. Uh, and that was the good part of the deal. If you read it, he was actually thought he had to cook food over his own poo. And um, he's like, God, please, no. And they're like, okay, you can use different poo. And he's like, thanks. Uh, you know, and afterward, he, he shaved his head to warn people of the impending doom. I'm worried over here. Brian shaved things, and I, I don't know what's going on. Uh, Jeremiah, he had to wear the same underpants for a whole year without washing them. And then he, he hid them in a rock. Because, um, I mean, yeah, you don't want that in your house. And, uh, but he had to return a year later. Like, God sent him, like, you remember those underpants you hid? He's like, yeah, I'm trying not to. And uh, God's like, I need you to go look at them. And so he goes to look at them. He's like, hey, God, why am I here looking at these? And he's like, that's how dirty all the people are. Okay? And uh, he's like, that's... Disgusting. Uh, now, right, all of those stories are very much biblical people doing things that God had called them to do. And we have to make space for that type of stuff in our church. Prophets, you need to do what God has called you to do, even if they're a little bit weird. 
All right? And church, we need to embrace that and listen to their messages. You know what's crazy is the books of the prophets fill up so much of the Old Testament, and it's always the same message. Right? This is what God's telling you to do. If you just do it, it's going to be so much better. And then they just didn't listen to him because they're like, we don't care about your dirty underwear. And he's like, that's not the point. You know, listen to the points. We need that in our lives. So what's the role of prophets today? Prophets should give direction. They provide insight and they help shape what is being built. In the Old Testament, we find prophets not only um, coming along, alongside kings, many times to help with direction and guidance. Ezekiel multiple times was called up by the king to, to meet with him and, and Elijah and Elisha. They were called up by the kings like, what do we do with our nation? Even kings that didn't believe in God still knew the prophets well because they went to them for insight and direction. But we also saw prophets stepping up and leading throughout the book of Judges. Ephesians 2.20 says, Together we are his house, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, and the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. See, apostles and prophets are foundational to church structure. Prophets in the, the building kind of metaphor are those who are looking over the blueprint. And they're bringing insight to where there could be possible problems. Have we considered, you know, if all of these things are going to fit here? Are we using the right materials for this building to last? Right? They're looking over those blueprints. They're also making sure that nobody is cutting corners. You know, they're looking at the blueprint, looking over there and being like, yeah, that, that's going to need to be redone. That's not, this isn't what the blueprint's called for. Prophets that bring alignment and protection to the church for its vision. That's their goal. They want to make sure that the vision is aligned with the Bible and that the church then is being built in line with both of those things. A lot of times when we hear the word prophet, we think about the future, right? They're giving us pictures of the future or what life's going to be. But in reality, most of the prophetic books like I talked about were actually um, more concerned about just getting in line with stuff that God had already said. Now, there was future talk, but the future talk was more about, guys, if we don't get in alignment, bad things are going to happen. Or if we do get in alignment, then all these good things God has promised will happen. And that's what we need the prophets to keep reminding us of. Prophets here is less about the future and more about alignment with God's will. Which leads us to their second main role. Prophets, we need you to see and hear from God and share. 1 Corinthians 14.3 says, but one who prophesies strengthens others, encourages them, and comforts them. Right? So whether you need to share one-on-one, -on -one, share to a group, share to the church or to the world, this is the purpose for strengthening, for encouraging, and for comforting. If it cannot come out of your mouth when you go to share as encouragement, you know, maybe you just keep it inside and pray for them until you feel that you can. It's always an option. I think there's a word of caution here that not all things that you see, not all things that you hear from God are meant to be shared. And you need to work on discernment with God about, do I share this? Do I not share it? And who do I share it with if I'm supposed to? Sometimes, even in, even in the Old Testament prophets and New Testament, things were revealed to them just so they could pray. So make sure you're aware of that and, and praying into that before you go. Now, just because you have the gift doesn't mean you just bust in and use it whenever, right? Um, I have an apostolic gift, and it means that, like, I work well organizationally. Now, this means when I'm visiting another church, 
I don't just get to stop the pastor in the middle of a sermon and say, you know, if you just adjusted some things in your church, it would work better. You know, like that, that would be really rude of me. Now, it's still within my gift. And so prophets, you got to understand that because you have the gift doesn't just mean to just come in and use it wherever. You know, you, uh, 1 Corinthians 14, 32 through 33 says, remember that people who prophesy are in control of their spirit and can take turns. For God is not a God of disorder, but of peace, as in all meetings of God's holy people. Right? God is a God of order. So don't feel like, you know, I, I've heard something, and I just need to bust in and interrupt things or change things. Now, if God's telling you that's how to do it, then go ahead, and we want you to. Maybe you're unsure of, like, do I share this to the whole church, so I just share it to this person or that person? Come talk to other leaders. Um, bring it to some of our pastors. If it's during church, you know, and you feel like to share um, find one of the leaders or the trustees or Victoria or something and say, hey, I think God's telling me this. Um, do you feel that I'm supposed to share this right now? Um, and so that it comes into the right place. Right now, God is a God of order. So um, it doesn't need to be out of the norm. Like there obviously is weird things prophets do, but it doesn't always need to be that way. Um, sometimes you might just get one word or one picture and no understanding to what it is. So get up and share one word or the one picture. Sometimes it's a long word. Maybe you'll get a, a picture that plays across like a, a video or something in your mind and that gives you more meaning and understanding Then share that. Right? Be careful to not add to the words that you receive. If it's just the word, share just the word. Right? Some of you have probably have a, a bad taste for prophets because maybe they started sharing a word from God and it ended with this word from themselves. And you were unsure of where this was supposed to go because they put their own twist on it. Um, don't feel the need to make it bigger than it is. To draw more attention to it, just get up and share. We need the, the truth. We also need it in love. Um, you may not like the word that you're bringing. There's a prophet named Jonah in the Bible that didn't want to bring the word that God gave him. Um, but you're God's spokesperson, so you need to share what you've been hurt. Um, there have been times where I believe that God has given me a word for someone that is somebody I don't really care for that much, and, uh, but I give it because God shares it. And I think he's probably working on my heart um, in those moments too. Now, we're all humans. Do prophets get everything right 100% of the time? No. They are humans. They, they, again, we know, we just read scripture about how they only see in part. Um, Jeremiah Johnson was a, I think he's still a current prophet, I think he still calls him that, but uh, he was a very public known figure who was prophesying that Trump would be win the 2020 election. Um, and he was very like vocal about this is what's going to happen. Obviously, that didn't happen. Uh, and uh, he wrote an amazing apology letter about, you know, asking forgiveness for declaring to be a mouthpiece of God, but skewing it with desires of his own heart um, and people around him. And just really gave kind of clear direction to where he went askew and asking for forgiveness. And that's why I say I'm not really sure if he calls himself a prophet. Because at that time he said, I'm going to step back and not be so vocal with things God's sharing with me until I feel that time is right again. Now, if you are a prophet, I would highly encourage you to go read that apology letter. Um, if you literally search Jeremiah Johnson prophecy, I'm sure it's the first thing that comes up. Um, So, I don't know, don't be afraid that if you prophesy or if you say something and it doesn't come out how you thought it was going to, 
you are human, and we need to make room as a church for grace for people to make mistakes because we want people moving in their gift more than we want them suppressing it and not using it. I think sometimes prophets are hesitant on sharing because of situations like that. Um, And sometimes you sit there, you probably have heard something, and then later, and like, oh, I don't know if I should share, and then somebody else shares it, and you're like, oh, man, don't, I don't want you to beat yourself up because of it. Instead, be encouraged that you're hearing correctly, and next time, let it boost your morale to give up and share. Amos 3.7 says, Indeed, the sovereign Lord never does anything until he reveals his plans to his servants, the prophets. You know, maybe you just need to write it down when you hear it first. You know, especially if you're new to this, write it down, pray over it, and make sure that you bring correctly and just bring the word. Um, Share it in your language. God doesn't speak in King James Version only, so you don't need to get up and say, thus saith the Lord, you know, and then give your word. Just just say, hey, I I received this. I just want to share with you guys, right? Um, I think prophetic people can be a little bit more dramatic and uh, because of that emotional side behind things. And as we saw through the Old Testament prophets and the New Testament prophets, there's a little bit of dramatic flair that happens to be behind prophets. Um, And that happened all the way into Acts. And I think God gives words in all sorts of different ways because he needs different people to hear it in different ways, whether it's songs or in actions or spoken words or pictures. In Acts 21, 10 through 11, um, this happened to a a prophet named Agabus. So several, several days later, a man named Agabus came who also had the gift of prophecy. And he arrived from Judea. He came over and he took Paul's belt, right? He just whoosh, right out of Paul's pants. Hopefully it didn't fall. But whipped the belt out. And it says he bound his own feet and his hands together with it. And then he said, the Holy Spirit declares, so shall the owner of this belt be bound by Jewish leaders in Jerusalem and turned over to the Gentiles. Right? Like, could he have just gone there and said, hey, Paul, they're, they're going to tie you up and take you away here soon. You know, did he need the belt? I don't really know. I'm not God. And, uh, but if that's how you feel led to do something, do what God has called you to do. Now, you may be wondering, what's the best time for a message that's more than just a word like that? Um, please don't take my belt out when I'm up here. Uh, <laughs> but I think God's thing is just make sure that the act doesn't distract from the message. Right? The message is important. Share the word, the whole word, and nothing but the word, and share it at the right time. Now, the third role of a prophet is to teach others to hear and to see God. All throughout 1 Corinthians 14, Paul is giving directions to the church about how to use spiritual gifts. And he keeps referencing that everyone should be prophesying. And finally, in verse 39, he says, So my dear brothers and sisters, be eager to prophesy, and don't forbid forbid speaking in tongues. Um, In the ESV, the be eager to prophesy, um, it's translated, earnestly desire the gift of prophecy. As with all the gifts, we're called to partake in them, to operate in them as well. Not just prophets are allowed to see and hear from God. Right? That's a great thing. We're all called to do it. Now, I think prophets will help us to be able to see into the supernatural, to teach us how to use the lenses that they use. Um, years ago, my, I was hanging out with my brother-in-law a lot, and uh, he really likes bow fishing. Have you guys heard of bow fishing? Anybody say it's, it's like fishing except for with a bow and arrow, and it's also... Absolutely nothing like fishing um, at the same time. It, I really enjoy fishing, so I was like, I'm going to try this new thing with him. And it's not fishing as much as it's like fish hunting. Um, you're trying to sneak up on fish, and they're in the water, but you're not in the water. 
and uh, it's, it was very difficult, and uh, my brother-in-law was really trying to help me. He was like, there's one, and by the time like, I find it, it's already like swam away, and he's like, yeah, you'll get the next one. Um, anyways, I never got the next one, and, uh, but he, would, like, he could see them from like, across the lake, and he, would, he was shooting them and stuff, and I spent the summer trying to get there, and he started to teach me some things, like, well, you know, normally they're in this area, you can often see, you know, the ripples in the water before you see the fish, you can, if you shoot, you know, in front of the ripples, you'll hit them, but then one thing he was like, oh, you need to get different sunglasses, you need polarized sunglasses so you can see through the water, um, and uh, gets, cuts the glare, and you can see these fish, and it really helped, I still was nowhere near as good as he was, but prophets, that's kind of what we need from you, is to come alongside us and teach us how to see differently, right? And, and help us with all the tips and tricks on how do I hear from God? How do I know that that, that feeling I'm having is from God and not just because I ate too much Mexican food the day before, you know? And how, how do I know that? How then do I share it with people? We need you guys because it's so natural to you to teach the rest of us to walk in that. Now, real briefly, I want to talk about how we're supposed to respond to prophets, um, for the rest of us. As we talked before, prophets can be a bit different than a normal group of friends. Um, can bring some extra dramatic flair, um, some different approaches to life and how things are done. Even for people who accept the idea of prophecy, Ephesians 4 gifted prophets can be a bit confusing. Um, so sometimes they tend to not be accepted. And guys, we need to accept that as a church if we want to be who God has called us to be. Um, Often prophets are rejected by those closest to them. Jesus addressed this in Mark 6, 4. He said, a prophet is honored everywhere except in his own hometown or among his relatives and his own family. Sometimes we can dismiss the gifts of friends and family because we're too close to them, right? And it's weird to, to assume that God would use them different than the way that you've seen them growing up. We need breaks. We need to just have fun and, and disconnect, but... One thing for prophets is it's so intertwined into who they are that it's hard for them to separate out of their gift compared to some of the other gifts because um, they're very concerned with, are my actions lining up with what I believe? So don't dismiss them from our church community. We need them. Now, how do we respond when they share words with us, whether it's to the whole church or to us personally? First Thessalonians 5, 19 through 21 says, do not stifle the Holy Spirit and do not scoff at prophecies. But test everything that is said and hold on to what is good. All right, first, don't keep the Holy Spirit from moving. We want the Holy Spirit to move and we want to allow prophets to speak. Secondly, it said, do not scoff at prophecies, meaning don't shrug them off. The original language says, do not despise, right? As in, do not, not so much do not hate, but do not dismiss them. And then it goes on to say, but test everything. That doesn't automatically mean accept it all either. Don't dismiss it, test it, and then hold on to what is good. Um, when someone says they have a word for you, listen to it. Be open to hear it. Doesn't mean you have to receive it fully, but open to hear it. Say thank you. Because they are following what they believe God has called them to do, and we want to encourage that. So say thank you to them. And then test it. And that means, does it line up with biblical truth? Are they telling me something that does not fit with what Jesus lived out? Right? If it doesn't fit with what Jesus preached or what he would live out, then probably just throw it away. Um, but if it does, okay, God, then, then what's next? Right? Continue with caution. Sometimes you can even ask them when they're sharing with you, what exactly did you see? You know, or what is God telling you? Now, be careful there because now it's not what God said. It's what they believe. 
And so you need to take that with a word of caution. Take those words to people, your, your spiritual travel guide in life, or to mentors or to your pastors and say, hey, someone spoke this word over me. What do you think about it? And have them pray with you about it too. Again, and then hold on to what is good. Don't worry about words that you can do nothing about. Sometimes it's just a word about something that's coming and you have no power to do anything about it. Don't let it cause you to worry. You know, and then give feedback to the prophets when things are, you know, man, that word is exactly what I needed to hear today. Thank you for sharing. Because that encourages them and their gift and to continue to do what God's doing. Or, you know, I'll be honest with you, I'm not really sure what that means for me, but uh, I'm going to take it and I'm going to test it. Thank you for sharing. Matthew 10, 41, Jesus gives us this promise that if you receive a prophet as one who speaks for God, you will be given the same reward as a prophet. Right now, a prophet longs for the heart and the word of God. And their reward is that they get to see God's heart and hear his word. That's a reward I want too. So when people are going to speak into my life, I take a moment and I listen because I want that reward just as much as I want to know what God is saying to me. Um, we're going to wrap up with the, the health of a prophet here. Um, a healthy prophet they want to encourage. They speak because they want to encourage God's people to move forward in what God is calling them to do. They motivate people to change and to get in alignment with God. Healthy prophets are great at sharing truth with love so that people can accept it and choose it and they have that will to then act upon it. They are great cheerleaders to the people around them who are living an aligned life. Now, unhealthy prophets. On one side of unhealthy, you have a super nice prophet. Right, the prophet who ignores their gift um, and they don't want to share truth because they don't want to hurt people. Right, so they tend to be all love with no truth. They ignore the misalignment in people's lives and let them live however they want. They don't ask why are you doing that. They're like, you know, they probably know what they're doing. I'm just going to let it happen. Right, they choose to please people by not sharing the truth. And then they hurt others by not encouraging them to live the lives that they should. Again, super nice prophet means they're all love with no truth. Now, on the other side of unhealthy prophets, we find brash prophets, right, where they are all truth with no love. Um, this can happen because of sometimes just the big gaps between where the world currently exists and what God has called us to live, kind of like looking at our nation right now, right? We're, we're kind of living over here, and God's called us to live over here. And sometimes it just comes out brash and harsh because of the frustration, how do we get from here all the way back over to here? It feels hopeless, so there is no love because they just feel like they just need more truth. This also comes because of personal hurts in a prophet's life. Uh, maybe people rejected them for being prophets, so they no longer love the church but still feel that desire to share the truth. Uh, sometimes they feel the decisions that were made within the church didn't align with what God would have called us to live and so only brash, harsh, harsh truth comes out. We talked about Jonah a moment ago that um, Jonah got a word from God. And uh, he heard it clearly that he was supposed to go take God's word to these people who were not following him. And he got, Jonah was like, I don't like those people. They don't deserve to be people who follow you. And so he tried to run. Um, and, uh, you know, when you run from God, you get to know depression. When you run from God, you get to um, find new habits of life like sleep and you know, maybe food or distractions, and um, you get away from God. So, of course, they found Jonah napping on a boat, and a storm came because of him, and uh, the shipmates were like, where's this crazy storm coming from? And Jonah's like, oh, it's me. And so they're like, throw him over. 
And uh, Jonah was like, yeah, that's probably a good plan. And they, they toss him over. And he was swallowed up by a, a large fish. Um, and the storm stopped. And the people on the boat, even in Jonah's disobedience, said, wow, Jonah's God must be the real God. And they started to worship God, which is kind of crazy. In the middle of Jonah's complete disobedience, God's like, you know, I'm going to reach these people too. Uh, but, you know, three days later, Jonah's on a beach covered in fish vomit. And he goes to share the word to the, the people of Nineveh. And they change for the better. They take the word that God shares and they're like, wow, this is right. And they pray and they fast and they change their ways. And Jonah gets mad because he doesn't love the people. And the book just ends with him being mad. To me, Jonah is one of the saddest books in the whole Bible because it doesn't resolve for anything good. It just ends with him being angry with God and not accepting what God has called him to do in life. Now, if you're an unhealthy prophet, don't let that be your story, right? Your, your desire for alignment, especially in the church, is going to be challenged daily because the church is filled with messy people because we're humans. We're not black and white. We, we live in the gray area often, and that's very hard for prophets to understand. But we don't want you to feel outcasted. We need you to, to love us and to speak truth to us and help keep us in alignment to the best that you can. But understand that it's not always going to be perfect. So make sure when you share, there's a balance of love and of truth. And if you can't do that, then maybe it's not time to share. Now, a prophet's role in our church specifically, like we talked about that building metaphor, um, the prophet tends to be the one looking at the blueprint. Making, pointing out those pieces where there's some discrepancies, things we need to consider a little bit more deeply, and making sure that that plan is following into order and that we're not cutting corners. And that's what we need you to do in our church. And as we grow and as we move forward, are we still holding to the vision that God has called us to? Do the things we're doing still align with the word of God and what God created church for? Don't let us cut corners. Don't let us, you know, build something that wasn't on the blueprint. We need you to hear and to see from God and to share it. We need you to encourage the church to follow this plan. Call us out in truth and in love when we're not. And then help raise up more gifted prophets. Uh, the author and the teacher, Arthur Wallace, said, It is my conviction that recognizing apostles and prophets and letting them function will yet prove the most important restoration breakthrough of our time. Right? We need you, prophets. So share in truth and in love. Let's pray. God, I thank you for uh, these gifts that you've given us. Lord, that you didn't go, hey, build that church and good luck. Figure it out on your own. But you gave us the gifts and the tools to do so. And, and they're not even things we need to learn. You've imparted them into us. Lord, that we naturally focus in them. God, I'm grateful that you've chosen to partner with us to build your church. God, you could have done it any other way, but you want to use us. You, you are a, a close and personal and intimate God. God, and I pray that you would walk through life with us like this. God, that you would, that you would come and that you would be that prophet for us to show us how to, to see behind the curtain, to hear what you're speaking and to feel what you're feeling on your heart, Lord, so that we can bring the church into alignment. God, would you help the rest of us to be open to hear the words that are shared, to be able to know how to test them appropriately. 
and so that we can be in alignment with what you've called us to you. God, and I pray for the prophets in our church that, that you would speak clearly to them, God, and that they would know when and where and how to share. God, we ask that you would fill them with a love for the church that you have. That love that, that sent you to the cross to, to die for the church, that's the kind of love we need in our prophets so that, that they are always able to share the truth with love. God, we love you so much. Thank you for the example you've given us. Thank you for the, the lives that, that we're living today, God. And would you just be with us as we go about our week, Lord, and as we're, we're all stumbling around learning these new gifts that, that we've been given. God, would you help us to build your church? In Jesus' name we pray, amen. 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 Go, hear, see, and share Jesus today.